you are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek. Well, yeehaw. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining in. I am not with my beloved Dane today, and I'm not doing my normal interview with one of our grads. Today, I have a special guest, and she's here with me in the studio today. It's my dear friend and also co-worker, Peggy MacArthur. Peggy, thanks for doing a podcast with me. I am delighted, and I think this is going to be fun. I do, too. I think it will, too. So in thinking about this, I wanted to set up first, why did I ask you to do this? So Peggy is our coach supervisor for the EGC program and our advanced program called GCM. She also is the contact person for our newest program, Equine Facilitator. By the way, when you hear this podcast, if it's before April 3rd, you can still get into Equine Facilitator, which is a lot of fun. It's nine months, all online. You can go to touchbyhorse.com to get more information on that. So Peggy does some liaison work for that. She interfaces with Samantha, Cheryl, and Rissa, the core staff administratively to kind of push things along. And she's been a development person with me where I get some bright, bright idea in my head and I need a partner to help me capture the idea. So she'll be that person that hears what I'm saying, kind of sounds it out, picks out pieces of it and helps me uh, get things developed and changed. So that's her role with Touched by a Horse. And then she plays a whole other role in my personal life. So is that a pretty good description? A very good description. And it's been for a long time. A long time. So I want to go back just a little bit in our history on how we met And my memory might be different from yours because it's mine, but I do remember going out to a very bright individual's property where I was invited. Her name is Amy Skolan. She lives in Pennsylvania. And Amy invited me out because I had developed my own method. She could feel it was very different from anything like Egala or anything else that she had seen in the equine healing industry. She was interested in that because she herself had her own ideas and to had developed her own concepts around doing this kind of work. She worked primarily with Fortune 500 business owners and people in management, uh, trainees for university and that kind of thing. So out I go. And I do remember when I flew out there, I was wearing a pager on my belt that was my pager connected to the University of Nebraska waiting for Molly's first transplant. And they knew I'd be flying that far from Molly and I was in a hurry to get the transplant time started. So our deal was the minute I my wheels touched down back in Denver, I was to turn the pager on and we would start waiting for the organ. And I met you and Bob at that gathering. So how did you get invited to that gathering and how did you meet Amy? I'm curious. Oh gosh, I was invited to the gathering because Amy had been in touch with a man named Alan Seal and had brought together a group of industry leaders who were interested in transformation. And I think the workshop was a was called Soul Mission. And then Amy invited Alan to come to this event at Amy's. Right. And she had invited industry leaders. Gosh, right. there were a lot. Alan a, was there. Alan, but right. but equine industry leaders. Right. right. And he was invited to come to that. 
and to do one of his workshops there. So she invited your husband, Bob, as well as you. And so here we all were. I don't remember the size of the group. I'm going to say maybe 12 of us. Yeah. Maybe more, maybe maybe less. I don't know. A little bit more. Yeah, maybe 16, Mm -hmm. like that. I remember her horses having lunch with us. Do you remember that? I do, too. I do, too. (laughs) So Amy has a lot of rescue horses, and a lot of them are are older. They're older horses, so they're very peaceful and very safe to do this with. And she had non-horsemen there. You know, she had a few of us that knew horses, but she definitely had maybe half the group that didn't. And she had these long tables kind of set out in her yard for us to have lunch. And the horses were loose and they'd come up and kind of sniff what we were eating and visit mm-hmm. over our shoulders mm-hmm. and, and be there with mm-hmm. us. It was mm-hmm. kind of fun. Yeah, I remember as a non-horse person wondering what the words free liberty meant. It felt like, oh. a, it felt like a double, like, are they free or are they, do they have liberty? Why do you have to put those two words together? I mean, uh, yeah, it's just... Yeah, yeah. so horse terminology, of course. A horse on free liberty means they don't have a halter or a lead rope on, and they're free liberty in an arena or in a place that they're normally under some trainer control. Free liberty means we're giving them permission to be who they are, which is a lot of fun. And her horses kind of live on free liberty, I will say that. They have a great home with her and... And she's very kind taking in all these older horses. I learned a lot about her relationship with horses, which was really beautiful to see. It was also an introduction to me to heart math. Yes. There was a woman there who really let each of us, whoever wanted to, do their heart math assessment. Yeah, she was quite something. I don't remember her name, darn it. It's been too many years. So that was how many years ago? Programs going into its 15th year, 17 or 18 18 years. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And your life partner, Bob was with you and I met Bob as well. And there was something for me personally, and I think he has expressed the same thing to me. He and I, more than you and I really, he and I had a knowingness at that meeting that we'd end up working with each other and being important in each other's lives in some way in terms of work. And his expression then, because he was probably the age I am now when we met, and his calling at that time that he expressed to me is he was at a point in his life when he wanted to be the wind underneath other entrepreneurs' wings. You know, he wanted to be that person that helped entrepreneurs kind of see their vision come forth. And I I loved that. And we spoke quite a bit that weekend. We took a long walk and talked about angels because I had made the reference to angels. And he told me his background as a minister and all this. He was kind of captivated by the concept of my relationship with these angels. And that became kind of where we first connected in some dialogue around, you know, different ideas and perceptions. And he's always so open to to different ideas. So you're celebrating an important anniversary. So tell our listeners how long you and Bob have been together. Like what age were you, you know, that kind of thing. How did this start the Bob and Peggy MacArthur team? (laughs) We actually went to high school together. I was two years behind him and we were both well-known and leaders in in our classes and in our high school. He went off to college and he came back and there was this cute, this is his description, (laughs) this cute cheerleader walking down the hallway and he wanted to get to know her better. So from that moment on, we got to know each other better. At the same time, I was training to become, a. I was a competitive skater 
training and very, very... Uh, ice skater, not roller derby. Yeah, ice skater, <laughs> figure skating. And I had been with a partner since I had been, since I was 12 years old. And so there was a little bit of uh, relationship going on there. At the same time, there was a new relationship going yeah. on, on with Bob. But we didn't marry then. That was in 19... Gosh, 62, and we didn't marry until 1966. Yeah. And 57 years you're celebrating. 57 this years year. this, yeah. Sh- yep, this yeah. year. Yeah. Yep. Well, and you know, I, I noticed when I first met both of you at Amy's, this very unusual collaboration. We were all sharing ideas and professional ideas and all these things around transformation and horses and, and work. And my, my notice of the two of you, it was clear that the two of you were very well-suited, well-matched, and well-married. That was very clear. But how independent both of you were and are in that in a circle where no one else was married to anyone else or in partnership with anyone else in that circle, but the two of you, you both spoke independently, sat in different parts of the circle, hung out with different people, so confident and so sure, I think, of who you both are and brought different gifts to the table. So I remember noticing that and thinking that was very, very special and very different for sure. I think I said to you guys in closing when we said goodbye that weekend that I felt like we would end up doing some work together. Do you remember it that way? I do. I do. Nice. And we did do some work together. We did. We did. We actually first, what I remember is we first attempted to put something together with Amy. Mm -hmm. So Amy and I met for one hour a week for a year developing thoughts around a program for transformation and the horses that would take place at her farm and at my farm. She came out for one of my retreats and and intensives with clients. And I went a second time to her place to spend time with her, watching her work and to work with her clients as well. So we put a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of thought. And we brought you and Bob back out for another time when we thought this is really growing legs and we're going to take off with it. However, it didn't go. Well, and we became your sounding boards. Yes. Because Bob and I sat there while you and Amy described what your what your business Our visions, this, the, yeah. what your visions were going to be. Yeah. And it did we we had one event together mm-hmm. and and knew after that one event that it wasn't it wasn't something to carry forward. Right, exactly. From my humble um, opinion. Humble yes. opinion. <laughs> both Amy and Melissa are entrepreneurs and very, very independent in their own businesses. And collaborating was not, was not a fit for either one of them. Right. Yeah. I think that year that we collaborated a lot on what we both wanted to bring to the world, but it was less important at the end of the year that we brought it forth as something we did together and more important that we each did our own version of what we created in a way, you know? So for me, it was gestalt. It was training. It was training others to do my work. It was a thousand other things. And Amy went on too, very successfully working more with her more intellectual, you know, viewpoint. She is Mensa. She's so smart. And she has 
uh, total recall of anything she's read. It's mind-blowing. So be in a discussion with her, and she'd say, well, as so-and-so said in his book on page 99, and I remember asking her, do you have a book in your hand right now as we're speaking on the phone? Like, how do you do that? And she said, no, that is maybe a curse, maybe a gift. I can absolutely page see what I read. And if it's important to me, I hold on to it that way. So it's very, very brilliant woman for sure. And as I'm sitting here now, I'm so aware of how you, Melissa, it was the gestalt work Mm -hmm. that you were bringing forward. And that wasn't Amy's work. Right. Amy had different work Mm -hmm. to bring forward. Mm -hmm. And so here we are now, almost 15 years Mm -hmm. into the EGC with you manifesting your vision. Right. And doing your beautiful, beautiful work Thank you. with students. Yeah, so it happened, as we often say in life, it happened exactly the way it was supposed to, right? The divine is so smart. And it did happen. There was a some disappointment in the end, but also joy for each other. We ended on very good terms. And uh, we don't speak frequently, but when we do, it's all about, yeah, and then what are you doing? And then what are you doing? We've seen each other at Equine Affair and some other events and been able to really connect and know that we both did the right thing and and have gone forward in a really, really good way. So then you guys were watching my wheels turning. Well, then what am I going to bring forth if that isn't what it is with Amy? I got a lot of clarity that year, and I think she did as well, of what I did want to bring forth and reached out to the two of you after a period of time. We did some other business together for another program. I'm going to interrupt for a second because Melissa was asked by a very dear friend and by some others, how can I learn to do what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Will you teach me? And then I think that's what led to actually developing a program. That's true. I got that bump. I got three or four bumps that felt out of left field. After doing what I do for many years, it felt very much out of left field in probably a 30-day period of time, October 2008. And and I, I pay attention, I think, well when I'm getting a nudge from the universe, I'll say, and it's a repeated thing that comes before me out of left field. I think we, we all need to pay attention to those things. So for me, I had those, those three or four people over the phone or in p- person, not knowing each other, say, I want to learn to do what you do. And I, I did. I paid attention. And then from about the beginning of October to the middle of November, I really had to get honest with myself. Was I at a point? in my life and in my career where I would be honest and teach it all. Like what would I, if I had students, would I withhold the juicy parts? You know, I wouldn't want them to get like really so successful or surpass me. I had to really look at that and be honest with myself. And the truth was I was ready to move into the sage. I was ready to move into mentor. I was ready to openly share and do my very earnest best to share everything that I could with anyone who stepped forward and said, I want to learn to do your method. So I remember that being my own personal spiritual journey was making sure that I really 
that I was being honest about it, you know, for myself. And then came the big work of like, well, what, what exactly, how would I go about training people to do something that I did like, like a baby duck takes to water? I know it, I do it, it's mine, I'm comfortable with it. But how do you break something like that down and make it achievable for someone else? And I took my best shot the first time, it was a one-year program, People were going to come work with me eight different times. I really wasn't cognizant of the fact that they might be coming a long distance eight times in one year. I, I hear that now. I didn't hear that then. I didn't hear how hard that could be for somebody else. And then I also knew that the part I didn't want to do, got really clear, the part I didn't want to do was meet a student's 100% needs. They had to have somebody else on board that was in this that could answer questions or not answer questions even, but give them support and and help them if they got stuck on something emotionally or what they were going to do. And I had been teaching for about a decade for another program that was an online program having nothing to do with horses. It was a business program. And I saw that model. And in that model, every student that came into that program, that business program, was assigned a coach and they had a 20 minute session with their coach three times a month. And I thought, you know, those coaches, I had been one of those coaches in that program. Those coaches were really super assistants, right? For the students that went through that. Maybe I need coaches in my program. And if I may have coaches in my program, who would it be? And I thought, oh, huh, no wonder. Bob and Peggy were introduced to me. They've been in this journey with us. Before Amy steals them, I'm going to steal them. So that was really it. And I made that telephone call to you guys. I've never asked you what was the conversation the two of you had, knowing that I didn't have a program yet. I was just starting a program. I thought it might work out and fly. But what happened behind the scenes for you and Bob? I think it was just exciting to us to be part of the foundation of the whole program. We understood and so appreciated the idea of having having coaches for your for the students. Mm-hmm. And each of us had been doing coaching in our business. We were also at the beginning mm-hmm. of building our own LLC, having moved to New Hampshire from from St. Louis, where each of us had been working in a corporate the corporate environment. I had gotten my master's in social work in St. Louis, so I had landed in New Hampshire and had a therapy practice. Bob was landing and doing coaching, mm-hmm. so it, it was just like it all fit together. Yeah, uh-huh. the timing of mm-hmm. all of it is really divine, really interesting that it all, if it had come, if I had done that even a year earlier, you would have been moving and it, it wouldn't have worked as easily as it all seemed to come together. Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about, working in partnership with the magic of horses. Our equine facilitator program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business hosting group experiences with horses. 
Our Equine Gestaltist program prepares you to open your own private Gestalt practice in partnership with horses. And our Master Equine Gestaltist program builds your Gestalt skills both in and outside the round pen. All of our programs include in-depth live classes, business growth training, and a supportive community of herd members to collaborate with and learn from. Visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com to learn more about which program is right for you and your healing herd. So by December 2008, didn't have the website ready. I, I do this a lot in life. I was ready to launch it and then build it as we went along. So that may not be how Mr. Bob would do things, by the way. He was, he's very organized and he probably, if I had asked, which I didn't, you know, how should we start this thing? He probably would have said, well, let's build curriculum, build your stuff, build your website, and then we'll launch it. And that's not how I roll, as you very well have learned over the years. And so instead I got on a telephone call back then in the dark ages of 2008, the country was going into a deep recession. People were scared. Money was tight. Everybody was unsure about whether they were going to have a job the next day. It was a really scary time in the States. And I decided to launch this program in December 2008. And I had a phone call, a conference call. You and Bob were on the call. And I put in words, I articulated that I felt called to do this, that I had this methodology that I wanted to pass on what I was doing with horses and with clients that I knew was extremely effective and uh, how I saw the program unfolding. And we had, I think, everybody that was on the call, the, the, the seven original people that came into the program were all on that first telephone call. They all asked for contracts. They all went to contract in great faith. And I've always called them the Genesis group because they just stepped out on a limb and said, I'm going to trust this, that it's good and came in right there. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You remember that call? I do. I do. <laughs> kind of fun to think back on that. I'm just going to go back to you saying that you had the calling. And I think that's, that language is, is what invited Bob and me uh -huh. into the work with you because it truly felt like a calling for you and it, it became a calling for us right. to support that. Right. Yeah. Thank you. And, and it is the way it felt. Once I got really clean and clear that I would not hold anything back, I'd put everything into it. I felt like I was stepping into my life purpose, into what I'm on the planet for and what I'm meant to be and what I'm meant to do. And I, you guys are the angels definitely under my wings, just exactly what Bob expressed in that first meeting at Amy's and, and all the way along. I think after that, we had two or three come in and then we had 18 come in all at once. And we knew, the three of us knew, this thing's going to fly. We're going to have a program in here. What I probably didn't, two things, and I've said one in this podcast before, I did not foresee, I foresee success easily. I, I don't usually do things that fail. I put my heart and soul in them and they go well but I could not have seen the success of the community. Mm -hmm. I didn't see, I wanted that, but I couldn't quite see how that was going to work. And it's become important. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, and it's a huge difference from any other program that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. uh, gosh, how many are in the community now? 320. 300. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 320. We've just completed one of our advanced training courses. 
half an hour ago. Right, half an hour ago. <laughs> 11 people in the circle. One woman said, I feel like I have a golden thread from me to each one of you, and I feel like they all have golden threads to each other. Mm -hmm. And the community is so strong, and they, they've made lifelong friends. Absolutely. Whether it's EGC or whether it's GCM, right. they're long, lifelong friends. Yeah, absolutely, and that even extends. We have a beautiful student graduate, <laughs> graduate now, Mara, who lives in Latvia. We have Liz, who lives in the UK. So we have a lot of these People that are a great distance, the woman who said that to us today lives in Canada, and it happened to be this particular circle, all U.S. students. And I thought it was beautiful the way she said that. When I go and I go way back up into the top of Canada, I feel connected, you know. So, yeah, community's huge, and we've done a podcast on our summit and what community means to Dane and I. I think that was a big surprise. And the other surprise for me, not surprise, I shouldn't say surprise, but it's been an added benefit, is our relationship, our friendship. And once we got rid of Bob, no, <laughs> Bob was a coach for many years and then retired from doing it for the company. He's stayed on our ethics board. He stayed on an advisory board. And if I really had, uh, in any way, I felt stumped business-wise, he's one of the first people I call to to say, can I run this through your bright brain and you can give me some advice? He's given me lots of good advice through the years of this company for sure. One that I think of in particular was I was teaching the calls as my heart led me right. and in the moment as things led me. And in typical Bob fashion, he said to me in a, in a telephone meeting, he said, Melissa, I said, yes, Bob, you need to create a curriculum. No, Bob, I don't want a curriculum. I want to just do it in the moment, like very gestalt and whatever I feel like, you know, teaching. No, <laughs> you really need to. And I, I resisted that thought for about an hour to myself. And then I realized, oh, wait, you've got all these different people coming in at different times. How are you going to track where this goes? And of course, today the program's two years in length three calls a month plus one Q&A call all the way through. And it is a very clear curriculum. And I'm grateful all the time to Mr. Bob, because I'm very clear where it's going and why it's going there and in the order that it's going. But I do remember, you remember that too, right? Really? The other one was to have times for your students to be able to call, talk to you on the phone. True, true. Instead of just bloom, bloom, bloom. Yeah, I think he's given me t tons of wonderful advice. And yeah, that was one. They used to just call me when they had a question and I was drowning. And that was with only about 20 students in the program, not 300. So today I have office hours and they make an appointment and it, it's much smoother and works really well. The other, I think, was that I was being encouraged by other smart, savvy business people to create a program in which I trained people to do my work. And I thought that was probably a pretty good idea and they could do them across the country. And, you know, I thought maybe that was a step I should take. And I remember that conversation with Bob too. He's not subtle. He said, no, no, you should not do that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, you just shouldn't do it. And why? He goes, Melissa, listen to me. And I go, yeah. He goes, they're coming here for you. Get it through your head. They're coming here for you your experience, your specialness in the work, who you are, all of that. And I remember I teared up and was very moved by that. And 
Mr. Bob was 150% correct on that because it's challenging to teach people honestly to do this work. It's very um, multi-competent is where they uh, come through and they need to do their own work at the same time on themselves. And that's my gift to the world. And that's what I give. I create these incredible practitioners who I trust 100% to do beautiful work any listener here could ask our office for a referral to the correct practitioner for them. You're in good hands. I know that we do that really well. But actually to turn around and have enough experience under your belt with it, we're not there yet. We might be in the future, but we're not quite there yet. There's no replicating me yet. But we're, you know, we're working on it. <laughs> we're working on it all the way. So then my life has taken a lot of twists and turns, as so has yours. I remember your granddaughter was born the first year that we were in the program together. Right. Your beautiful summer. Yeah, I I was going to go in this direction. The most meaningful part of this relationship is our developing and growing relationship mm -hmm. that you and I know each other very well. And gosh, we've been through a lot together. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you, I mean, listeners know about, know about Molly and I lived with Melissa and Molly and I lived with Melissa and Molly and Dane and Kevin and Dane's dad who came and lived with them mm -hmm. for a while. Mm -hmm. And we've just been, I, I consider us just such dear friends mm -hmm. whose relationship just keeps growing. Right. It, it, it isn't at a standstill. Okay, mm -hmm. done and mm -hmm. done. And I, I just value that so much. Thank you. I value you so much. Yeah, very definitely. Your beautiful granddaughter, Summer, came along. Think of her being 15. Today she's at a robotics conference, and Bob's there in Boston with her and her parents watching this brilliant girl in her robotics conference. He'll have stories from that, I know. But watching her grow up in this family, listening to what's happened with your your adult children. I've met two of them. One son I met through another experience that we had. And then I've gotten to know Hillary, who lives here in Denver and has a love of the Bernese Mountain Dogs and big dogs, as I do. And so I've gotten to know her, some through you, and, and all of that as well. So yeah, it's been a blending of our families. If anyone missed the episode of our podcast called Good Old James, you got to backtrack in the podcast and listen to the one about Dane's father because he was bigger than life character and he literally was dropped on my doorstep on a Thursday afternoon. I inherit this 86-year-old diabetic old man who was a little on the grumpy side and I was in a little bit of a panic. It was Dane's sister had just said, nope, he's coming to live with you with no notice, no telling us ahead of time. So it was really hard. And I remember who I reached out to was you. And I said, Peggy, what am I going to do? I don't, I, you know, here I'm starting a core training and I, I got to find where's he going to sleep? How, how are we going to handle his medications? What are we going to do? This can't work. Do you remember what you said to me? I don't remember for sure. I'd like to hear what you remember. Mm -hmm. What I do remember, as I said, this will be a real gift in your life to have James living with you for a while. Right. I could not see it when she said it. I couldn't see it at all. You said, I think this is going to be a really special, sweet chapter for you and Dane in your life. And I'm like, what? You haven't seen this old guy. You know, he was a character and a half. 
when I look back now, it absolutely is one of the sweetest, dearest chapters. And if you miss that podcast and you need a laugh, definitely listen to the James chapter because he just, he brought a lot of color. I'll put it that way to our life. Some challenge, lots of color, lots of love, and was a healing for Dane and his father, definitely. And, uh, and just a really good experience for all of us, you know, all the way through. And then from the time, of course, from the time Molly was born, she was born in 1988, she was in trouble before she was born physically and had already had so many problems in her young life physically and was uh, struggling really to stay on the planet when I started this program. But she was in her, in her beauty, in her youth, and she would come out to the arena occasionally to interrupt me for a second to say, mom, can I go over here? Or I'm headed to work or whatever. And, and so, yeah, you got to see her, got to know her, could see her strength and her fragility. She had that great polarity going on in her life of being one of the strongest people I've ever known and also being housed in one of the most fragile bodies I've ever known. So she had that, uh, that experience always. What do you remember most about Molly? Well, what I was going to say related to what you just said is that I saw the strength and fragility, emotional fragility in you. Mm. I can remember specifically being at a core in, in Virginia and Melissa and I were staying in, in the house, and we were walking. It was quite a distance, walking to the to the barn to start a core. And you were just sobbing because mm-hmm. you had just gotten some really rough news about Molly. And we stepped into the barn. You stepped over the threshold, and your, your professional self showed up for the students. Mm-hmm. And that's always meant so much to me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I built a muscle, I think is what I call it. Like when you lift weights and the trainer says, okay, two more. When you think you can't do two more, that's what she was. She built an emotional muscle for me. And yeah, that news was that the kidney transplant she had had was failing. And I was devastated. And there were many phone calls in this child's life that were really difficult to get. And it was hard for me to travel from Denver to Virginia, knowing I was that far from her in case she went in the hospital or whatever, had many experiences of catching midnight flights or quick flights back to her side. But she, she, she built that muscle in me, I think, to be able to say, and Dane and I say that in our marriage too, that that really nothing, everything pales, all problems in the world pale compared to your daughter having a, a disease that keeps her on the razor blade of life and death. 24 years with that child, we never knew if she'd be on the planet the next week, literally. And yet she went to college and she rode horses and, you know, she had a, she had some normalcy in her life. She was sassy. And she was sassy. She was, yeah, she was definitely a sassy girl. And, and I I was always like happy to hear her sass. And also she had a sharp tongue like her mother. So there were some moments, but, but really so happy that she did have that fight in her. And she always had that fight from the time she was an infant, you know, all her life. And you knew, because I shared with you many times, I knew from the day she was born, I didn't kid myself, most likely if I lived my normal life length 
and and she was my daughter that I would sit someday at her memorial. I did not kid myself that she was going to live, you know, that she would outlive me unless I, you know, something weird happened. So I always knew that. And there was always a part of me, not in sadness, but in in the moment, great appreciation for every day we got and every moment we got and a very tough last year. So what do you remember about all that and coming out as my posse? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, you certainly kept me and um, a couple of others with you during during that journey. And there were three of us who just showed up, who showed up after Molly died. And we were just together with Melissa, mm-hmm. just the just the four of us. And we went up to Estes Park, and we wandered around up there. And Pretty much just, just did whatever there, I felt just, like I needed we to just do. <laughs> flowed yeah. with, with the energy of the moment. And a very precious time for me. Yeah, very precious time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It was, I think, all three women who showed up for me at that point all knew me well enough to know that if they asked me, do you want me to fly out? Do you want me to come? I would have said no. I, I it wasn't that I didn't want them there, but I wouldn't want to have them leave their lives and go through all that. I didn't want the responsibility, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I didn't want the responsibility of all that. I really didn't. I didn't want to feel that way. And I, I'm tend to be a person that goes in, not out when I'm in pain. So yeah, it was a great gift to me. Uh, I have lots of memories of that week that you guys were there and, and, uh, Dane's forever grateful because he was holding me at night while I was crying and doing everything he could do. But to do it 24 hours a day with somebody as emotional as I am, might have taken him under. So he was very grateful that these women showed up to really support me. It's so interesting to me, Melissa. I was thinking as I was flying out here this time, I don't even remember making the reservations, getting on the plane. (laughs) All I remember is being in your kitchen with the round table. Magically appearing. Right. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Just It felt that way too. I don't remember any of the three of you arriving. I don't remember saying go to this guest room or that guest room. I don't remember any of that. I remember us being together, like on the patio. It all just sort of magically appeared. It was a, it was a really magical time. The, uh, the last thing I will share with you, if we can, in this podcast was Dane and I's relationship and our wedding. So we lived together for six years before we got married. We got married in a small church in our local area that we were not members of, but it was a church that had no electricity. It had been a Swedish church, no electricity, had a little fireplace, a little uh, stove, wood stove in the center. And so we set the wedding for sundown uh, in November, and the sun was going down. He went to the church an hour ahead and personally greeted every single person that showed up. We held you and Bob up as a a couple that was long-term married and important to both of us. So we actually had Bob and and Peggy perform our our wedding ceremony. And it it was a very magical day. Do you think Dane and I should have gotten married, Peg? Definitely you should have formalized the marriage that you already had, (laughs) would be my assessment. It was very special for Bob and me. Bob had been a priest in the Episcopal Church, and so he had some ceremony to go with with yes. the two of you joining. 
each other, which I, which was very precious to me yeah. and to him, and I think to you. Absolutely. And um, and then I was able to read a really beautiful poem. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, very mm-hmm. meaningful. Mm-hmm. And and, and uh, Molly, yes, was your flower yes, girl, yes. and she hated every second right, of well, it. Yeah, well, she didn't like the label flower girl. That's right, for sure. Right. She was twenty one years old, but you know she, yeah, that was really special. And she had been so sick and. Uh, that day. She was very, very well. So another gift from the divine. Absolutely. What I think what I remember about, I remember that the knowingness that Dane was at the chapel and greeting everybody in his very warm hearted, eye to eye, heart to heart way that he has about him to thank every single person that came. But the wedding was full of tears. It was full of laughter, big laughter. You know, just, it was all, it was everything that we are. It was a lot of connectedness and everyone that was there, it felt very much like uh, they were in such celebration and support of the two of us. So it really meant a lot. Bob did a great job. You did a great job. But it was the energy, I think, of the whole thing that really meant a lot to us. So we're in our in our friendship journey on top of business journey. And I thank you for all that you do for the company because you wear a lot of different hats and interface with our coaches to keep them going. And, and if they get stuck on anything, you show up out here from New Hampshire for GCM camp and for Summit, which someday will tell you the story of how, how you get from... Center Sandwich, New Hampshire to Denver, Colorado, there is no straight route. It is a bus and a train and a, you know, mule and an automobile and a plane. It's really a big deal. And I thank you for making that trip always. And just everything that you and Bob have done for me and for the company for all these years. So I want to thank you for everything again that you do for everybody and for the company and all of that. And also for doing this podcast with me, not exactly always in your comfort zone, the things I ask you to do, but thank you for doing this. Anything else you want to say to our listeners, which are all over the world, and we're very grateful for everyone that tunes into this podcast. I'm just grateful to have been on this podcast with you, Melissa, and part of my working with you business-wise, you you talked about starting EGC, starting way back, is the joy that I get from experiencing you grow and grow and grow in your own teaching, in your own doing gestalt with students. You want your students all to keep growing, and you're growing all the time yourself, and I, I so appreciate that with you. Thank you. Yeah, it means a lot to have someone of your caliber witness my growth. That, that I take that in deeply, what you just said, because... I, I feel my growth as a as a mentor and instructor and balancing this huge community. And there are days I'm pulling my hair out and you and I'll talk and I'll say, oh my gosh, this is getting to be really tricky to balance all this. But I do feel that growth. I, I do know every year I'm just that much more clear and available. And, and we can tell it partially because the graduates that we're turning out just get more solid and better and better and better. If anyone listening is interested in finding a practitioner to experience the work that I created, we'd be happy to have you do that by either going to touchbyhorse.com. And there is a button that says find a practitioner near you. And there's a map and you can find them that way. Or perhaps an even better way is get a hold of my office. You can email office at Touched by a Horse or call the phone Monday through Thursday, 303 
440-7120. Explain to my gals who are very savvy on all this, what you're looking for and where you live. And they bring it to me and we pick out two or three that we think will really be a great match for what you're challenged with and or your geographic location. And we're happy to do that, to provide those referrals out to our graduates. Uh, This month in Horse and Rider, we have a beautiful ad in there. Thank you to Kimberly Beer, who designed that ad for us in Horse and Rider. It is in the paper magazine. As you know, we've been really tracking through all these digital articles. And Dane and I are planning on kind of discussing those topics of those articles on our continuing podcast and very excited to do that. And you know, Dane, whatever else comes out of Dane, we will discuss as well. And again, a big thank you to Hope Through Horses, hopethroughhorses.com. They are a 501c nonprofit that supports Touch by a Horse graduates, practitioners, clients being able to come to our practitioners, and certainly a few scholarships here and there for people who'd like to train with me. We are loading for our July 2023 equine gestalt coaching class now. We're about half full right now for July. So if you have an interest in that, you can go to the website, request a handbook, call the office. Cheryl is who you would ask about for that. She'll send you a handbook, a video, give you a lot of information, answer any and all questions that you have. And we'd be happy to have you look at it if you're looking for a new career, which is what happened in 2008. I said, we opened all this, America's worst economic time. We're not in a horrible economic time right now, but things are tough for a lot of people. If you're looking for a way to partner with your horse, to really be in service to others that have gone through any kind of trauma in their life, or they're struggling to get to know themselves and want to gain awareness, you might be a candidate to train with us and we'd be happy to have you fill out an application and look toward our July class. Thank you all for joining me. Please check out Hope Through Horses and thank you to them for their partial scholarship of our podcast. I'll be back next time with Dane. I promise. I know he's a big hit for everybody. Blessed be. You are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek.